Welcome to Chinuch Today. I am your host, Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield. Please join me as we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. This is Yerachmiel Garfield, and today we are going to explore an issue that has been facing our yeshivas and day schools from time immemorial. And that is the challenge of making general studies meaningful, time well spent, where students and families feel that there is great value in the time and that there is behavior and focus and good respect for what goes on in the afternoon. There's a whole bunch of reasons that this is challenging. It has to do with the values and the energy that is put into Judaics, into Lemurei Kodesh. It has to do with the ability to attract strong faculty. It has to do with the balance of time and focus and energy that goes in and resources that are often found in a a weighted way towards Lemurei Kodesh. So there are a lot of reasons for it. And the upshot of all of those reasons is that often the afternoon time experiences bigger discipline issues, many more discipline referrals, frustrated students, frustrated teachers, frustrated administration, basically a lot of suffering to go around. In the last few years, general studies has become more of a focus, not only in terms of making the time meaningful, but also making sure the content is aligned with our values something that's being discussed at many Tarmasar conventions. In fact, Tarmasar just hired a professional to really focus on general studies and to work on making sure the content is aligned with our values. And those who are following the political discussions in New York City, we are all very aware of the sensitivity here and how this could be a new uh, vista and a new challenge for our schools living in America and in in the states that want to impose certain standards upon our schools. So it's with this background that we're going to meet Rabbi Weissman, who worked in a yeshiva high school in Baltimore, in Yeshiva Kesser Torah, saw the problem, and as a general studies teacher at first, he himself experimented with coming up with a model where the general studies program is full of good content, meaningful value-added content that is not only consistent with the Torah, but very much has the Torah content as part of the very fabric of the program. And with that success, the leadership of the yeshiva, the Rabbis Feldheim and, and Rabbi Weissman opened something called the Machon. And this Machon essentially develops curriculum that could be used, started in high school with language arts, and as you will hear, is developed into middle school to make the afternoon program, the content of the program, full of value and full of Torah meaning, and in that way, inspire participation from the students where they feel there's they're getting something from their time. And this program has shown great success and is really still in the early stages but has tremendous potential for those schools that have general studies, for the yeshivas that are committed to having a general studies program and want to make sure that the students are participating and getting value from it and seeing meaning in it. So it's great to introduce you to Rabbi Weissman, who's really the thought leader in this regard, who's developing these programs 
And it's really a light at the end of the tunnel for this great challenge being faced by, by so many of our yeshivas and day schools, either by using his program or modeling other programs after what he's done. Okay, welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. We are interviewing a remarkable innovator, Rabbi Mordechai Weissman, who has quite a title. He is the curriculum coordinator of Yeshiva Kesser Torah, located here in Baltimore. And we are actually on site on this beautiful campus of Kesser Torah, which we'll talk about a little. But most importantly for the interest of this podcast, he's the director of the Mechay Menorah HaChachma, which translated into English means the Institute of Torah-Based Curriculum. And uh, it's great to be here with you, Rabbi Weissman, who's working even in the summer. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm really thrilled to learn more about the Mechon, Menorah HaChachma. Before we get to where you are today, let's talk about where did you grow up and how did you get into Chinuch? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, so I'm originally from White Plains, New York, uh, suburbs of uh, New York City. I actually grew up conservative, so I went to a Solomon Schechter school from age 2 to 18. I, wow. I very much grew up in that system. And then when I was in high school, I, I started to, uh, with a number of my friends, become more interested in learning text. And once I started learning more text and developing certain hashkafas, I kind of gravitated a little bit more towards orthodoxy. For college, I went to Columbia University, where I have a bachelor's in English and comparative literature. And then when I was uh, in my third year in college, I spent a semester abroad at YU, which was uh, a funny thing to convince my, my dean and advisor about, that it was culturally a different place, a different language. It's only 60 blocks north, but uh, they signed on to it. And I was at YU for a semester, and I developed relationships with there with a number of the Rebbeim. And then after I graduated college, it just kind of became the natural progression to continue on at YU, uh, where I learned for smicha. And then I was in Revel, where I have a master's in Jewish philosophy. Uh, and then also I spent some time at YU's, YU has a kolal, a satellite kolal in Bait Vagan, in Yerushalayim, the gross kolal. After that, I eventually moved to Baltimore with my wife, who's from Baltimore originally. I would just say, based on the things you've done, at that point, Chinuch wasn't necessarily the focus. Jewish philosophy, while fascinating, is not a prerequisite for Jewish education. No, so that's true. So <laughs> I, when, I, when I was about to start my master's, I, I knew I wanted to do a master's degree, and I knew I wanted to be in Clay Kodesh to some degree. What that meant, I wasn't so sure yet. And I really felt I had two options where I could do a master's in education, Jewish education, through YU while I was there, or I could do a master's through their program in Revel, their graduate school. And I made a decision which I would not advise anyone to do. My thought was that I, I would go into teaching, and I naively felt that teaching, classroom management, was something I could just kind of pick up along the way. So I didn't need to get a degree in education but rather I would focus on the content of something that interested me that I could teach, which is why I chose Jewish philosophy, which was essentially a, a fancy way of saying learning Rambam, Rav Sadigo, and Yehuda Halevi, Machshava. Why would you not advise others to do that? So as much as I, you know, Baruch Hashem, have picked up a great deal along the way with how to teach, and I did a program called JNTP, the Jewish New Teachers Project or Program. Featured on Chinuch Today. <laughs> where I really feel I, I do have a good handle of the classroom. Um, it, it, I really do feel that it's important that if you're going to become a classroom teacher, you have to recognize that it's an art form something that you know you you need training for there are those people who can pick it up along the way 
but to be able to learn from people who have experience as opposed to just going in the classroom and uh, hopefully having a mentor and figuring things out along the way in Udomat to someone who, you know, who really has that experience from, from a program. But I would like to comment on that. I usually don't uh, take the microphone in an interview, but I happen to have gone through a very similar experience myself mm -hmm. and have a little bit of a different conclusion, so I, I'll just share it. Sure. I was in Neriusra in Baltimore and deciding what masters to get, and they have an association with Hopkins. And through Hopkins and Neriusra, you can either do an education degree or a whole bunch of other degrees. And I was sort of like really torn about that because I also wanted to go into Klikodesh. I wasn't sure exactly where. And uh, I was weighing these options. And when I did my research, I found that many of the education training programs, people find, especially 20 years ago, just lackluster. They don't really prepare you for the reality of a classroom. So I thought, and I made a similar judgment, I got a master's in counseling because I figured that would be an ancillary, supportive thing that would have more substance. And while I agree with you 100% that teaching is a art form and the science that requires study, like any mixaya, like any profession, unfortunately, going to a master's program in a place like YU in the back in the day, I don't know today, or John Hopkins School of Education, which I is an adjunct professor in, but Lamaisa as it relates to like training you in a real hands-on kind of way, you don't really get a lot of bang for your buck in terms of your investment of time and energy, while if you got a master, I don't know for sure about a master's in, in Jewish philosophy, but certainly my master's in counseling gave me a tremendous set of tools that I used that I wouldn't have had. I think that it's much easier for a intuitive educator to pick up those skills that are needed in a classroom through ancillary programs like the Jewish New Teacher Project, or for me through Thomas Soros' Yusud Mala program, than it is necessarily require a whole master's. End of lecture, okay. Rabbi Weissman. So you but, finished your... Yes. So what, one thing I'll just add yeah. is I'll say that when I had my first teaching job, I think because I didn't have a degree, I was much more focused on what every other teacher was doing. Mm. That in addition to having a mentor, I invited myself into other teachers' classrooms, and I tried to really study their art form, their science of teaching, because I knew that it was something that I at least did not have an education, Fair. a formal education. Fair. So after YU, um, it, so I moved to Baltimore with my wife, I was very briefly in Nary Israel, and I got my first teaching job at the Berman Academy in Rockville. So a lot of people think Maryland, Rockville, Baltimore, it's uh, next door, but it was an hour commute. Uh, and I was a middle school Rebbe and Jewish history teacher there. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And I, and I really enjoyed it, and my plan was to continue. But as, as, the, as the way the world works, uh, we uh, needed to figure out carpool and daycare. So what I mean is that my, my wife is a speech therapist with Baltimore City Schools. So with commuting an hour to work and with the, you know, the early start time for public schools, we both had to be out of the house at 7 a.m. And that, as my oldest son was starting to reach school age, uh, that really was not going to work. So one of us had a change, and very simply, my wife's job came with the benefits, so my job was the one that I uh, was going to switch. And uh, it, was the, it was the best thing. I, I loved my time at Berman. It really brought me to who I am today. But uh, that provided such an opportunity because while I, we were making that decision, I had heard rumors that there was a new yeshiva going to be opening up in Baltimore uh, with the Rosh Masifta of Sri Mordechai Feldheim, who had been the Manal in Denver for, for decades, and the center of Avram Feldheim, who had been um, a Manal in Miami. And I, I got in touch 
with their general studies principal, uh, Rabbi Moshe David Robinson, a very talented mechanech, a Rebbe in, fifth grade Rebbe in TA as well. Shout out to my student when I taught John Hopkins. He was in my master's program. Go Rabbi Robinson. Please continue. <laughs> so I, I met with Rabbi Robinson, and um, because I had a, um, a strong general studies background, um, I ended up uh, being hired to teach uh, the at the time the world, ninth grade world history class and the ninth grade language arts class. Uh, and I knew, while I had never experienced um, the type of yeshiva educa education myself that my students were going to be experiencing, I was aware of what general studies meant in that setting. So Kesser Torah is an amazing uh, yeshiva in Baltimore that has now been around for six years. You know, there's close to 100 Bachram. It, it's a major yeshiva in Baltimore. But like many yeshivas, you know, when, when you have uh, an exciting and dynamic morning of learning and then you start general studies at 3.30 for us and it goes until 6.30 and then back to night seder and the students are not necessarily on a college track, they're not working towards something very specific, uh, they're not necessarily taking the SATs, PSATs, uh, tests of that nature, and even if they are going to college, it will most likely be after a number of years in base medrash and it's it's not going very to be pragmatic college experience right? right so even for those who are thinking about college at some point they're seven eight years away from it when they're in ninth grade and they want to relax in the afternoon and you know they're tired so i i was aware that this was the situation and i wanted to make sure that if i was going to be teaching in a yeshiva these subjects that i could find a way that the students would be machshiv what they were doing in the afternoon and that was also honestly coupled with the fact that I had been a Rebbe before. I had been teaching Kodesh before. For many years, I had wanted to be exclusively teaching Kodesh. And I really wanted to try to find a way to still be teaching Kodesh, even if I was going to be officially teaching general studies. So, you know, at first, it was a, when I was planning, it was a little bit easier for the world history class because the idea of just kind of bringing in Jewish history, where the Jews are during certain periods of time, I... Uh, this class, I think, began with the Renaissance to the modern period and just trying to find, you know, who were the Yachronim during this period, where were the Jews living, to the Yad Hashem. When it came to language arts, it, it became a little bit more difficult. So what I realized with the research that I did is that really, in most places, language arts is more than just English grammar, mechanics, and writing. It's really a catch-all for, for so much more. And if you're in the public school system, it's a, a catch-all for you know, the inculcation of a lot of Western values. So with that in mind, um, it occurred to me that there's a lot that you could do with language arts, even with teaching the basic skills. And then I also spent a lot of time researching what the actual requirements are in private schools in Maryland. The requirements for... Bare bones. The, <laughs> so what I discovered is that at least in the state of Maryland, a high school, graduating high school student needs 21 credits, it credits a course, four years of language arts, and there, how everything else is, else is divided. But what I learned that surprised me I was really shocked by this, is that when it came to content in the state of Maryland, the only content-based requirements that exist are the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, not even the entire Constitution. Hmm. And it occurred to me that while I was shocked by that, it really meant that Kesar Torah and really yeshivas at large, and since I've done research in pretty much every state Jews live in, I've discovered New York aside, this is pretty much the case in every state, that we have a lot of freedom with which 
how we can teach the skills. So I came up with an idea to take a list of Midos. Many ascribe it to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Many say it, it came from elsewhere. And I had each one of those Midos act as a unifying theme for the, the series of texts that would be read. So for example, the first unit is on MS. So for every unit, there um, are two secular stories. So for there, it's an O. Henry story where somebody lies but to save somebody else from embarrassment. Did you have to sell this to the Rosh Hashiva here or to any Rosh Hashivas? Like, it sounds like you just had this idea and you ran with it. Tell us what happened between your having the idea and your trying to implement it. Or sure. did you just do it quietly? Sure. So I, I wanted to make, I, I, I knew that this was going to be off the beaten track. So I mm. I did call Rabbi Feldheim. Uh, I, I spoke to uh, both Rabbi Feldheims. And I explained to them that I wanted to try to find a way to bring a new perspective in the afternoon. And to their credit, they were both on board with it. They they both understood the value in it. And the early meetings we had, we really had conversations about how we wanted to ensure that the growth mindset that the boys have in the mornings will continue throughout the day into the afternoons. And we spoke about how if what the boys are focused on all morning is how the Torah is this Torah's Chaim that speaks to every facet of our lives, then really the biggest test of that is when you're not sitting in cheer. And if we can try to find a way to bring Yiddishkeit into the afternoon, it will be all that more powerful. And they, they were very on board with this. And as the yeshiva was beginning, uh, Ray Hopfer you know, became involved. And he also, uh, who's really the, the, the Rosh Vad Harabanim of, of uh, both the yeshiva as well as Baltimore at large, and he became uh, very enthusiastic about this. And, you know, I, I started planning this class. Okay. So, you know, there are t two secular stories. The other story is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, where somebody's constantly daydreaming. But the way that we we, we kind of um, approached it is because he didn't want, want to deal with the truth of his surroundings, MS. And then for every unit, we look at an excerpt from the biography of the Gadol. So for mm. the first unit on MS, they read a chapter from um, from the, bio the article biography of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And anything that you would do in a language arts class with reading, writing, grammar, mechanics is all there. And these stories are mostly secular stories, but we said to the students that even if the characters in these stories are not Jewish, we pick stories that could relate to different life situations that you may find yourselves in. Mm -hmm. So the assignments are all based on vocabulary and reading comprehension and textual analysis and anything you would see in a normal language arts class, but we say, hey, we can't talk about certain interpersonal relationship issues and not remember that we're in a yeshiva. Right. So, you know, it, we we don't shy away from having certain conversations. And on a little more granular level, the way that we have all the assignments and writing prompts built are, and this is what I kind of meant from how language arts is a catch-all, from a cultural perspective that the students can relate to. So I mentioned The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is a, a story about someone who's constantly daydreaming. So when you're reading that story, you talk about the idea of transition sentences and going in and out of the dreams. So the writing prompt for that was a creative writing piece, but it started very simply. You walk into the base medrash and you see your chavrusa, you see your rebbe, you see whatever you see, when all of a sudden your mind wanders and then, you know, the, they, they talk about the transition sentences and how they go from A to B and how what in the base medrash is making their mind go in this way. And then because we discussed certain aspects of MS that maybe at some point, you know, they ended their writing piece, they heard their Rebbe saying something that relates to the idea of MS and it jumps them back into the moment, whatever it is. 
and then for the vocabulary, you know, so as opposed to having, you know, vocabulary sentences that don't speak to our cultural experience, you know, we'll, we'll have sentences that can relate to things, you know, in the life of a yeshiva bachar, so some very basic things. So this is what we were doing in Kesser Torah, and I'd say, admittedly, that I, I loved it, I enjoyed it, but for the first two months, it was very difficult for the students to be able to have any semblance of Kodesh in the afternoons, because our students come predominantly from TI and TA, two local uh, chadarim, and their minds had always been trained hamavdim and kodesh l'chol. Their brains were not wired to make these connections. But over time, and I saw that after about two months, the students were on board because they realized that they weren't viewing the afternoon as just something they can just check off. There was value in what they were doing, and they had an opportunity to speak about Midos. And l'havdil, I'm not comparing this with a Musr Seder that you have with your Rebbe, that, that that's important and that's that's critical. But what they could see was there is a way that they could grow in their three hours in the afternoon. And again, they're still tired in the afternoon. That's still part of the day. But it really it changed things for them. And I'll, I'll share one story. So that first year, there was one student who, there was one student left by Hanukkah time who was not on board. <laughs> he just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I had a conversation with his mother and um, so the mother spoke to this boy and she got back to me and he told his mother, the reason I don't want any semblance of Yiddishkeit in the afternoon is because I lose my excuse for putting up my feet and being able to do whatever I want. An honest man. <laughs> so at least within schools of a certain demographic, which Kesser Torah falls in, he knew that if there was Torah there to any degree, that he's machshiv that and he values that and he couldn't goof off. And but over time, he realized that, you know, his chaverim and his peers got on board and, you know, it took a little bit maturing, but he eventually got there. And after the, the first year, the Feldheims, through their vast um, chinuch network, shared what we were doing with other yeshivas, and other yeshivas became very interested in the types of classes that we were having and that we were creating. I actually had a moment where I decided to go back to school, where... Oddly enough, I still didn't go back for a master's in education. I actually went for a master's while I was teaching in library and information science at Why? the University of Maryland. As I started creating classes, I became very fascinated with research. And I've always loved books, and I, I, I've, loved, I, I, I've loved the idea of it. And I got to a point with my teaching where I, I knew I had a lot to learn, but I really felt much more comfortable in the classroom. But I felt that there's a lot I could pick up with knowing how to access information and how to help students access information. So I, I joined the University of Maryland's, it was an online degree, Library and Information Science. And um, a lot of it was learning how to navigate resources, how to research, knowing what's accessible. A lot of it also was um, learning basic skills that you would need in any job such as program management. Um, there was even curriculum design in there, um, leadership skills. And it, when I saw it, I saw that there were a number of aspects of this program. I don't know if this is the case with every um, information science program that I felt that I could really parlay easily into the job that I was kind of creating. And very much uh, um, happy with how that degree went because I find that every day I use aspects of it um, in how I work with students and how I work behind the scenes in creating curricula, 
um, and just behind the scenes working in the yeshiva. By the second year of the yeshiva, I became the curriculum coordinator, just program management and aspects behind the scenes. I was curious when you were speaking about how you developed it, and you mentioned the O'Henry story and the, the other story. Like, how do you happen to know those? Or how do you know those are the best stories? Sure. Do you have, like, you know, you, you have your own education to base it on, to some extent, although that was a while ago. How did you... How do you know that you're getting the best materials for the specific sure. uh, things in need? So it, it took a lot of time because there's two aspects. Because what I realized, it's not just a matter of finding the best stories. It's finding stories that the kids could actually relate to. Because to use, uh, I'm not trying to, uh, to put down Shakespeare, but to use Shakespeare for a demographic of kids who, as I explained earlier, are not college bound and are most likely going to find themselves in a certain type of work environment and, and home life and work environment, Shakespeare's not the right right choice. You, you need to find the good quality stories that they can relate to in some way, but also can teach them how to write well and that they can learn analytical skills from and, and, and all of that. So I definitely look back a lot into what I'd been exposed to when I was in college, but I'd say, honestly, my best resource uh, was my mother. <laughs> so my mother, was an English teacher uh, uh, and a vice principal of a school, uh, uh, the school I went to, Schechter. So uh, okay. I, I okay. apologize to my mother. That actually is a key part of this whole yes. story. <laughs> Should have mentioned Hi, that Mom. earlier. <laughs> um, so she was a tremendous resource. Okay. And then also, uh, when I taught at Berman, even though I was teaching Jewish history and Mishnayis and Aschalas Gemara and I was a Rebbe, uh, the mentor that I was set up through JNTP was actually an English teacher. So uh, once I knew I was leaving Berman, the last two months or so, I spent a lot of time with um, my mentor. She, we hadn't been in the program anymore, but uh, she was an eighth grade teacher. Um, and also what I realized through this process is the vast majority of Yeshiva Bachram in ninth grade are more on a middle school reading level. Mm -hmm. So being able to utilize the expertise of a middle school uh, English teacher really also came in handy a great deal and a lot of it also was just finding a lot of uh, resources of collections of short stories both on you know on the internet as well as printed form and doing a lot of searching um, but it, it definitely took a lot of time to find the right the right picks okay is it designed that a non-jewish teacher could use it so I'm definitely glad you asked that um, because I guess soon we'll talk about what really developed from this the Macon okay. but um, it what what we realized is that uh, for these specific courses, at least the way that they've been constructed at this point, you, you need to be someone who is uh, not just Jewish, but really from to properly teach it. So the ninth grade class that I just described, 100% um, can have a non-Jewish um, teacher facilitating it. However, at this point, I'll say that, you know, we're working with 20 to 25 schools around the country. It's never once happened that a non-Jewish teacher has taught it because when this question comes up, what I'll say is, while it's possible, there's so much of the course that will be lost out because you're not going to have someone who can lead certain stories to certain conversations. Um, a lot will be amiss. And even if you want to tell that individual skip lessons five three and don't do assignments nine and ten whatever it is it's all there so if it's all there you really need to make sure you have a member of the school's hanhala being aware of what is going to come up in conversation um 
you know, before you just hand it off to could be a very qualified but a non-Jewish teacher that you may not want having certain conversations in the classroom. Right, 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 right. And I would even say it's the same if you have someone who is Jewish but not from having certain conversations in the classroom. Yeah. Um, so that's that's definitely a big challenge um, that we have. And we, I can speak more about that. Um, Let's later. go back to the story. I, I sure. realize from what you just said that there's more coming. So, so here you are. You developed it for this school with Askama of Rabbi Sfeldheim and Rabbi Hopfer. Um, you had the ninth grade language arts curriculum sort of worked out. You got your degree. You're getting a degree. Or you got your degree. I'm not sure the timeline in in library sciences, um, and you also. Oh, there's one more thing that you had done at that time. And you got your degree in <laughs> library sciences. What happened next? So what happened next is something that really threw me, is that um, I think it was the second year of the yeshiva around, maybe a little bit before Purim, uh, the Manalar of Avram Feldheim um, it brought me in for a meeting, and um, it, he said, let's go national. <laughs> and I didn't quite understand what he was talking about at the moment. And while I had known him for a while at that point, uh, there are certain aspects of that I didn't realize about how, how passionate he, he really was about um, what I was doing, what we were doing. And he said that, you know, he and his father, Rosh Mordechai Feldheim, had shared what we were doing with a number of places, and they all really wanted to be involved in this type of material if they had the correct people to facilitate it with teachers. So he... Um, we decided that we wanted to uh, try to do some early work on trying to find funding where we could create some units a little bit more professionally put together than just what we had internally um, of this type of material. And uh, everything moved very quickly. And then uh, we, two, two things happened. One is we shared our material with a number of Rosh Hashivas because we realized early on that what we were doing was very much out of the box and um, change, e even if positive change, uh, takes time and takes um, a proper approach in the Orthodox world. And we wanted to make sure that anything we were doing, we would do with Das Torah. So we met with a number of Rosh Hashivas uh, throughout the country mm -hmm. and um, we got a lot of positive feedback. Uh, but when it came to creating a Vada Rabbanim, so in addition to Rai Feldheim, Rai Hotfer locally, um, Rav Aaron Lupiansky became very interested in what we were doing, and he became um, uh, joined us and became a big proponent and joined our Vada Rabbanim. And Rav Shalom Kamenetsky uh, also uh, graciously uh, gave us a lot of early advice um, and became a member of our Vada Rabbanim. And throughout the last four or five years, really all of them have really been you know, behind what we're doing and have guided us in the proper direction. Did you get any opposition? So it's it's funny. You know, I, I expected a lot of opposition. I really expected a lot of opposition. But what I found was that everybody I spoke to recognized that there was a crisis, that Yeshiva Bachram were not necessarily receiving the proper type of education that they should be. And you have a number, you know, if, if you look in Lakewood, the vast majority of yeshiva high schools don't teach general studies at all. You know, they, they really end in eighth grade. And that's, you know, that's, that's appropriate for certain communities. And you, you see this in Muncie as well. Mm -hmm. But for the types of communities 
that want their students to graduate with a high school diploma, with very few exceptions, it, 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 it's a huge challenge because you want, even if you want your child to, to, to be learning for many years, and if this person goes into Clay Kodesh, you know, becomes a Rebbe, Rabbanis, Kirv, whatever it is, there are certain skills that are going to help you um, with professional communication and writing um, and all of that, that that can be tremendously powerful. Uh, and, you know, there, every Rosh Hashiva I spoke to felt that something needed to be done. It was just a matter of if this is what we wanted to do to try to bridge a gap between Kodesh and Chol, trying to find the right way to do it um, and the appropriate way to do it. But, you know, we, we were told early on to go slowly, to go slowly, that even if it may be that when we start Halavai, let's say 15 yeshivas want to join us, start with two, three yeshivas. You know, you, you need test to it out. test it out, test beta it testing. But and, did you get anyone who said, this is not a good idea, I will not endorse it, and I think you shouldn't do it? Did you get any opposition? We did not get any opposition. We, we no. <laughs> no. Okay. We, we got a lot of questions about what we were going to do, but nobody outright said to us, this is not the approach, this is not what should be done. We got, there were certain Rosh who I spoke to who I said, I think this is a great idea. It's not necessarily, you know, the Mahalach for my yeshiva, but I fully, you know, support something like this existing. But um, no, no. The reason I'm sort of pushing this is because, you know, as I'm exploring educational initiatives in the world, Rup Shon, Kamenetsky, Nirvana, Lepiansky, are the names associated with certain innovation consistently. Like those two. Mm-hmm. It's like a team. And neither of them are on the Vadra Shashivas of Tormaso or the Agoda, meaning they don't represent the mainstream Yeshiva, Rosh Yeshiva leadership. And I don't know if that just happened to be in this case that those are the ones you went to. Or there is Taka more of a divide as it relates to this type of initiative. Right. So a few answers. So one is we definitely saw both Rav and Rav Shalom as being Rosh Yeshiva who, felt, who fit the mold that you described. And uh, of the Rosh Yeshiva that we met, we felt that perhaps because of that um, pattern of approach they have, they I think they very much understood and appreciated the nuances that we wanted to have with the development of our curricula. So that's definitely a part of it. Um, early on, we did reach out to Tor Masora, and they were very excited about what we were doing. Um, but at that stage with Tor Masora, general studies was not something that they were necessarily focused on. And therefore, their, their Vad Harabanim were not necessarily, I'd say, the entry points with which we were going to create our organization. Since then, this past year, um, we've had many, many conversations with Tor Masora, and they've hired uh, Rav Yochanan Sherman, who now runs their, uh, he's the, I don't remember his exact title, but he's their liaison for general studies. Mm-hmm. So we've had many, many conversations with him over the last year, and they're really becoming true partners in, okay. in what we're doing. Great. But at least at that early stage, Rav Shalom and Rav Aron were really the perfect people who had a, a good grasp of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. Excellent. Okay, um, so you got you got uh, you're developing this kernel of a national organization. You got rabbinic support, and you had some money, I guess, to very early on. We in Baruch Hashem, we still work with them, but I, I guess the you know the primary foundation that we work with. 
uh, especially from the inception, was the Walder Foundation based in Chicago. And over the years, we've worked with many other foundations, the Mayberg Foundation in Silver Spring, uh, the Fischl Foundation, um, the Crane Foundation in, in Baltimore. Are you responsible for the funding as well? Rabbi Feldheim and I work, work on it together, okay. a number of uh, private philanthropists. Uh, but we, we ended up creating, the, you know, so we, we created this organization and we put together in more form, a more formal way a teacher's guide, uh, a, a course reader, workbooks, um, for this first course on the Revue Stral Salanter course, the Mijos course for language arts. And our first year, we piloted it in, we taught the more formal version in Kesser Torah locally, uh, and also two other yeshivas uh, in Denver and in Edison. And Baruch Hashem, it, it, was, it was really a great year. I also learned a great deal about what it meant to both the difference between creating a class that you're going to teach and creating a class that you someone else are that someone else is teaching uh, that was that was a year where I really had to start thinking about what does it mean to hand off a curriculum to someone else which is not something I had thought about before so just in a very basic example I had created all the worksheets for all the assignments assuming that the conversations I would want to have in the classroom would occur and I had many conversations with those early t with the, with the with the teachers that first year about they said, I didn't look at the worksheet before I read the story, but now that we read the story, the worksheet doesn't work based on our conversation. So I did two things. One is, our model is that we you know we have our set worksheets, but you know we work with teachers to modify worksheets um, as we go along. That we're not only providing educational resources but also support, and the. Other thing we did is I created a second version of the course reader with, in the margins, notes for the teacher, which are, you know, kind of... Um, where to focus. Where to focus on mm -hmm. if you're going to use the worksheets as we created them. Got it. Um, and then really all of our material really exists in Google Drive files. So teachers get it in a view-only format, and then if they're more than welcome to, to copy it and to edit it based on how it would work for their own for their own classroom. Because what I, what I learned is that even if you provide a nice package for a teacher, you can't take away their autonomy from being, you know, at the driver's seat of their of their classroom. Yeah, sure. They they need to be at the driver's seat of their classroom. And on the flip side, what we're trying to do with the Mahon is have the students be at the driver's seat of their own education. So very early on it kind of just it, it was that, you know, that Torah lens, that Torah approach. But over time we really developed um, uh, you know, we, we furthered this where we very much now have a task-based approach. Some aspects of project-based learning, not completely, but a task-based approach where uh, we really, general studies in yeshivas, I've noticed, schools will have anywhere between 30 minutes to 45 minutes an hour. But some it's, it's really only 35, uh, 30 minutes. But all the, all the classes and the modules are designed um, and all the instruction, the teacher's guides are written in such a way where the lecture time should be at a bare minimum and you want the students to be working, you want them to be creating. Mm -hmm. um, outside of the value and what this does ed educationally for the students, by the time your average yeshiva bacher is starting English, they've already experienced, so to speak, an eight-hour workday. <laughs> so, you know, we have to recognize, you know, what you know, what, what the parameters are and, and how we're going to build content for them that's going to speak to them and really is going to wow. to make them grow. Have you considered using video? Yes. 
we so. we teamed up with Rabbi Sloan, who put together some uh, a great video on Rav Nassim Svi Finkel, who put together a great video on uh, Rav Weinberg, and we found ways to tie those videos to our units on MS, on Zrizos. Um, we also, uh, for our 11th and 12th grade language arts courses, we utilize videos of Rav Shalom and Rav Aaron Lopiansky, mm. where they introduce certain topics uh, which I'll, I'll get to how those eleventh and twelfth grade wow. classes work, and you know I, I would love as as we build out with, you know more with language arts and history, and we're not there with science, but eventually science for us to be able to create our own videos. What we do provide in our teacher's guide is um, a list of videos that we feel are kosher and appropriate that could be related to the content that's learned in class that could be used, and there are a number of resources out there such as ViewPure um, or other websites where you can uh, take the video and have it shown off YouTube so you don't have all the outside clutter or you can edit it and play with it but eventually we would love to create more video content we definitely would love to create more video content but we we started creating more classes and it um, really the hadracha that we got from our our was to really begin with language arts because writing and communication is something that is so essential to life and something that Yeshiva Bachram very much need. So the second class that we created, which we called our 10th grade language arts class, all revolves around the theme of responsibility of Achrayas. So we broke it up into three sections. So the first section is family responsibility, where the boys read a Marcus Lehman book, The Family Aguilar, Jews during the Spanish Inquisition. And again, everything you do in a normal language arts class with reading, writing, grammar, mechanics is there, but it's a book that um, is about Jews during the Spanish Inquisition, so we have a lot of Jewish history in there, mm -hmm. a lot of connections, and there's two significant projects there. One is they write their own family history report, uh, where they do their own family research, which all the boys really love, and then they we have them write their own, we have them learn about a certain period of history, and we have them write their own Jewish historical fiction, um, which they also enjoy. Then we move to communal responsibility, where we have the students read excerpts from the biographies of Irving Bynum and Mike Tress. And you'd be surprised how little Yeshiva Bachram know about the history of Orthodoxy yeah, in, in America, yeah. of Agudas Yisrael, of Torah Masora. They have no conception of the Messias Nefesh that their grandparents had on the Lower East Side to enable them to be here today. But in addition to that, we start to have the boys begin to think outside of their Dalit Amos about when you're in yeshiva, and as you should be, you're very much focused on your Avodah Hashem. But we ask the boys questions of how they can be, give back to their greater community. So for the creation of this class, I really use two things. One is a lot of skills that I learned with um, grant writing <laughs> uh, to grow the machon, and a number of skills that I, I learned uh, in my library science degree. And we we teach the students how to do this thing called a needs assessment, where we ask them, what are the expressed needs? What are the um, observable needs that exist for our community in regard to chesed organizations, gemachs, hmm. um, you know, of, of youth programs, of different types of things? And then we have each student pick a type of program they'd like to create. So it could be, you know, a... It's almost like a shark tank within yeah. language arts. <laughs> so, you know, students have, have great ideas where, you know, a, um, um, where students create, um, you know, like a, a Shabbos meals program or they create a, um, 
a youth program where you know guys get together in a kosher environment on a Motzei Shabbos, and they have speakers, but they also have a hangout area with a with a ping pong table and a, and a and, and pool and things like that. Or they have every year. There's always one Sephardic or a youth organization. <laughs> it just happens every single year. The last four times I've done this, um, and they come up with these great programs. And we had we teach the student how do you write a mission statement? How do you write a value statement? How are those two things different? Um, how do you write goals? How do you write objectives? How do you actualize those things? How do you put together a budget? So a lot of what we're doing is really crossing divisions of different classes. So how do you put together a budget? So you know, in, in our school specifically, we use very filtered Chromebooks. So we, we teach them how to use Google Sheets and how to go on the back end. And this integrates math class as well. And we then teach them how do you write a grant proposal? And mm, this is all 10th grade. This is all 10th grade. Wow. And I'll admit, the way I created the sample grant proposal was I, that time was the early days of the Machon, and I was mm. filling out many grant proposals myself. Right. So I kind of really just, you know, utilized okay, that. It's real life experience. Right. And how many schools, so at this point, how many schools, I assume it's been growing, right? As you So been... right now, we just finished our fourth year. And schools that are using our resources, meaning resources meaning they could be using one or two units or they could be using a full course. And now we're in middle school as well. It's between 20 and 25 uh, yeshivas, middle schools around the country oh, wow. are using our content. Uh, tell me about the middle school. That's a new part to it. So you sure. have, if I understand yet, ninth grade language arts, 10th grade language arts. What was the next piece? So we also, well, the way 10th grade language arts ends is we have, Roshalom recommended we use a book called Ma Making It Work, Workplace Halacha, by Rabbi Ari Wasserman. Sure. Sorry, Ari Wasserman's brother. Um, it used to be the dean of, I believe, Harvard Business School. And now he, he's at YU. Right, now he's at YU. No one. And he created a series of case studies for from people in the workplace. Mm. So I spoke to uh, Noam Wasserman, and he gave us permission to use all of his case studies. Great guy. And we teach the students what you would learn in business school. What is a case study? It's all 10th grade stuff. It's all 10th grade. How do you analyze it? You know, okay. um, what are all the considerations? Wow. Um, and... Then we provide students some of his case studies about from people in the workplace where, you know, do I let my employer know before right, um, I apply a, 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 about, you right. know, leaving early on Fridays in the winter, right. about leaving for Mincha. And then we put together with English translations a series of Mara Makomos, and we have the students write case studies, uh, answers to case studies. So... They, to a certain degree, they kind of look like chuvas. Mm -hmm. deal, we're not teaching 10th right. graders to become poskim. That's not what the Mahon is doing. <laughs> but we're allowing them to see through their, you know, when they create a nonprofit organization and they do professional communication and the grant writing and when they're doing these case studies that they've spent their time going through the traditional um, stories and all the skills related to that, but now we're showing them how, okay, you're Yeshiva Bacher. You're saying you're not someone who's going to spend the rest of your life reading Shakespeare or the Western canon, but here are how these skills can specifically help you on your path and can be used to help you, your community, your Vodas Hashem, and things like that. And then when the students get to 11th grade, that's where really everything changes significantly. <gasps> so um, If I had a dramatic soundtrack, <laughs> which I don't, I would put it here. Bum, 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 bum. So when the students are in 11th grade, we created a series of 10 units with our Svi Mordechai Feldheim, where we have a video of him where he asks a question. So um, 
let's take we're talking about Emes before, so we'll talk about Emes here. So he has a question where he asks on Yaakov Avinu. If we say Yaakov Avinu is an Ish Emes, Titan Emes the Yaakov, we have a number of instances throughout Chomish where at first blush, seemingly, things are being done that are not so Emesic. So we start with that and we teach the students what is a definition essay, which is a form of, which is an essay you would learn if you were in public high school, college, and we teach the students how you create a definition of the word, and if you were writing a definition essay outside of this context, you would then show how your working definition of that word works throughout different scenarios. So we provide the students uh, with a series of marmacomos, and for each one of these units, we have packets of maybe um, 50, you know, marmacomos, and we divide it into sections. And um, it, so what are definitions of MS? What are definitions of Sheker? What is the idea of Koach HaDibor? And we have the students develop a definition of MS and Sheker, and then we go back into all those instances where we would say at first glance that Yaakov Avinu is, is not saying MS, and then using their definition that they put together from Armakomos, they read back into the sources how actually everything he's doing is MS. Wow. And it ends with a very comprehensive essay and they're working on all the reading, writing skills you would need, all the reading comprehension skills you would need. And if you were to look at our teacher's guide, everything is aligned with all the National Common Core standards. Unbelievable. But the Homer is all Torah. And one of the reasons that we picked this for 11th grade specifically is a big part of this class is independent learning. Mm -hmm. And our idea was as follows that in a traditional yeshiva, by the time you get into 11th grade, something happens in the morning. Your sheer time goes down, and your seder time and your hachana time goes up. And the amount of time that you are sitting in sheer, and you're not completely passive, but you're more of a passive learner, is really gone, and you're taught to become much more independent in your learning. And it occurred to us that if that's what they're doing all morning, and in the afternoon, they're jumping into these classes where they're back to being passive learners and they're being spoon-fed things. That's another reason why it's, it's not speaking to them. So the idea was to create a class that the methodology in the afternoon could mirror what they're doing in the morning. Because if we're saying to them, you've gotten to a point where, you're, where you, you have a certain maturity level, a certain level intellectually where you can do certain things on your own, then they're gonna, we, we want them to do those same activities in the afternoon, which is why I would never, there's a certain degree to which yeshivas use our classes but use them for different grades, where I would never tell a yeshiva to take this specific class and do it for a younger grade because they need to be at a certain place intellectually and, and in regards to their maturity to be able to do something like this. Wow, that's amazing. And then what's left for 12th grade? You've sure. done everything in the <laughs> entire spectrum of education. Sure. So uh, for 12th grade also, and also note that these classes definitely need to be taught by someone who's, who's a Rebbe. Okay. Um, but in 12th grade, we have them become even more independent where, it just, we were talking about definition essays before, so uh, we do that with Shmona Esrei. So we have a number of sources and assignments on the idea of tefillah and Shmona Esrei, and then we have each student pick a different bracha from Shmona Esrei, and we give them a series of sources, and we they each write, um, we have them do an aspect where they come up with a taich, a definition of all the words in their chosen bracha, and then we have them do a deeper dive into 
uh, when you're doing a definition essay, you discuss what is the denotation and the connotation. What do the words mean, but what do they connote? What, 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 what am I supposed to be what thinking about? What are the hidden about? or secondary right. meanings? So then we have them delve into that, which is very much goes into higher thinking when you're writing and you're, you're doing analytical work. And we have them do that. But then that requires a lot of their own independent research into their bracha. And then uh, another unit, for example, where uh, we have Rav, uh, Sean Kamenetsky, so the brachas is Rav Lopiansky, the, mit the next unit mitzvahs is Rav Sean Kamenetsky, where he talks about the idea of Tariyak mitzvahs. And we have the students, to a certain degree, Lahavdil, do something called a literature review, but they pick a mitzvah. And we have them, you know, what's the makor, uh, what's the tam, what's a certain machlokas and, um, about this mitzvah, what are the gedarim? We, we try to have them hone in on a certain subject. In addition to what they write up about it, we also have them give a chabura, and we work on public speaking skills, mm. which we also do a lot of public speaking in 11th grade. We're also, we, we talk about, you know, pretend that your audience are your fellow yeshiva bachrim, but pretend you're speaking to a non-firm crowd. Pretend that this is a Kirov environment. You're speaking in a shal and shol. Think about who, who, who's sitting in front of you. Is it, you know, an out-of-town guest? So we try to think of all these different scenarios. Okay, Rabbi Weissman, get ready for a question that you're going to have to think about before you answer. Sure. Here we go. This is the question. Most of us are trained to think that general studies in general is a drag put on us by the government that we have to do nebuch. But if we ruled the world, we won't have general studies. We don't need it. Do you think that your general studies is a opportunity for the kids to benefit from? And even when Mashiach comes, and we don't have to be forced by the Maryland State Education Committee to have certain standards, we should still teach your program? It's a very good question, and one I definitely think about often, and that keeps me up. <laughs> so what I'd say is this. Baruch Hashem, our yeshivas do a great job teaching Gemara, teaching Machshava, teaching so many skills. But Baruch Hashem, as we know, the Torah is vast, and there is so much out there to learn, and it gives us a great deal of limit on our time. So the opportunity that what we're trying to do gives us is focus on certain inyanim and focus on certain skills that we lack time for in the typical yeshiva day. If, halavai, there, there's a state that says you don't need to do general studies at all or whatever this situation is, I think there is a value in teaching analytical skills, which we're also doing in Gemara. I teach there's a, think there's a value in working on vocabulary and professional communication and all these things. And there are ways to teach it, of giving a chabura, of analyzing a text, which we do with Gemara. But there are many different mediums with which we can do it. In this ideal world, would we be doing it through the secret life of Walter Mitty? No. <laughs> but would I want to make sure that students pick the up... The 11th and 12th grade, is, is the texts right. are all Torah texts. Right. So, you know, that that's... I, I'd say that's, you know, I think by what we're teaching them in 11th and 12th grade is part of the answer to the question, that we're teaching them that it's the skills that are crucial and how these skills can truly help you in what you're doing. And I'll also mention that you, I, you get to a certain place with students where they'll say, wait a second, you're teaching me this reading comprehension tool or this analytical tool, I'm not using these words, in English, this is actually what I do every morning in Gemara. So it's just that they don't have the language for it in English. So a lot of what we're doing, 
is really strengthening what they're already learning in the morning. We're just giving them a different language for it. We're giving them a different medium with which to work on it. Um, I'd also say that I, I'm not in the business of, of, of uh, and I'm not interested in, in, in changing anything with Kodesh and how that's built, but it's definitely the case that there's not a focus on writing. I've walked into the base Madrash numerous times, and I've seen students taking notes on their Gemara or reviewing their notes from Shear using tools that we have taught them in general studies. You have many Rebbeim who do focus on the idea of taking notes, and you have, but it's not necessarily part of the yeshiva curriculum to to work on writing skills. There's a Gemara in Bava Basra that talks about you know, when you go to Amavaya, you need to have Tanuda Biyadav. So the Mara Shah there says that what is the Iker Limud? Ksiva. I don't remember if these are his exact words, but writing. Writing is what really allows you to make a kinyan on your learning. And the Shlug expands upon this, Marashan. He says that when we write things, it prepares us to teach them to the next person. Tell me about the middle school. Sure. So about a year and a half, two years ago, we brought on board uh, Mrs. Naima Tenenbaum. Uh, she's a fantastic educator, educational leader, curriculum designer. Uh, and first she started creating for us a series of professional development videos, uh, which we provide for schools for the high school level. Um, and so Not related to the <clears throat> curriculum, just general like classroom management? Classroom or... management, but also geared towards developing a certain language that is unique to mm. Mahon content. Um, and But the last two years, she's really been working on developing, starting with sixth grade, um, a language arts, language arts courses for middle school. She's utilizing uh, a similar methodology to what we're doing. You're definitely not finding the same degree of Torah that you have in our 11th and 12th grade in the middle school level. Uh, maybe you could do something with you know, preparing a bar mitzvah speech. But um, it, we're trying to find uh, books that we feel can speak to students um, and creating content that speaks to them, that they're machshiv and they mm. can learn the skills. That's again what we're focused on. We're, uh, we, the, we're talking about the value in general studies, the value is the skills. That, that's what we're focused on. And language arts is where you're still... And language in, arts. In that um, at least, I mean, we're, we've moved on to history in high school. We'll okay. talk about that another time. But uh, at least in language arts. So, you know, we took, there's a junior version of All for the Boss. So we created a, she created a curriculum on What that. grades are included in her... So right now she's working on sixth and seventh grade. There are some schools which could use it for fifth grade. Uh, there's depends on the level. Yeah, it depends on the level. Uh, there's a lot of, um, as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of differences with with right. levels in the yeshiva world. Right. Um, she so fluid. Um, we found that Marcus Lehman books are great books to work with. Uh, one thing that also occurred to us that occurred to Mrs. Tannenbaum is we don't want to pick books that students have already read. Uh, right. Marcus Lehman is old enough that people have not read it. Right. So a, a lot of them have actually really? read his books, oh, really? but what we found is there's a number of the books which are no longer in print. Ah. Or, so uh, he has a great story on Rabinu Gershom, which was printed years ago. You can't find it anymore. It's an antiquated version. So Mrs. Tenenbaum was able to find the original German and find a Hebrew version and use her talent. She wrote her own adapted uh, English version, hmm. uh, and then she created a curriculum for it. And this wow. is a book that students will enjoy, and they've not been exposed to before. Uh, we also got in touch with Marcus Lehman himself, his great-grandson, 
and he was very excited about what we're doing and he you know he he told us he he wants us to to find a lot of these older prints and bring them back to life awesome we're we're doing this for a number of stories and you know the same idea of task based of a torah perspective um not necessarily the same marmacomos content we have in high school um, and we're, we're really looking to partner with schools to beta test this material because, as I'm sure you can become aware, this is not the kind of curriculum that you can give to just any teacher, and this is the kind of curriculum that you need to have an administration on board if it's being facilitated. Right. So I'll say that's the last key component that I think has brought all the success we've had in Kessler Torah, that you know, I spoke early on about how we had the support of the Feldheims. That's also in regard to the Feldheims walking in in the afternoon into the language arts courses. It's having the Rebbeim know what we're doing in the afternoon. That, and I, and I think maybe this is the thing to leave off on. We can't expect the students to take the program seriously if they think of themselves as being in two institutions: them in the yeshiva in the morning and at night, mm-hmm. and I'm in a high school in the afternoon for three hours. They need to think of themselves as being in one. Yeshiva, one school, one program throughout the day. And that only works if you have the support of the administration in the morning, of the afternoon, and it's a holistic approach. In addition to giving the curriculum, do you guys do training? Like if a school, let's say in Denver, wherever it is, has a teacher. So you send them the curriculum, but is there training that you do for that teacher also? So we definitely have met with teachers over the phone. We Mm -hmm. want to do it over Zoom. Our, you know, we're still a small organization. Our resources and ability is limited at this point. But, you know, we're trying to find ways to team up with other organizations, Tormasora, you know, where, you know, we're hoping they can provide professional development and we can provide content um, and other organizations that are out there. Uh, You know, yes, professional development is very much needed. And especially it's needed for something, teaching a type of course that, that's new and, and that's that's um, against the grain. Right. Um, it, but, you know, the hadracha that we've really received from our Vada Rabbanim is we're focusing on content and we want to be teaming up. If, if there are other professional development organizations out there, I would love to hear from you. Other organizations that we can team up with to try to find a way to properly empower the teachers to, to teach these courses. Awesome. All right. And um, as we wrap up, uh, one last question, and then uh, I'll ask you for your thoughts. Is where do you see yourself in ten years? Like, what's the what's the ultimate vision for the Mechon? So, one thing I learned early on is that um, there's a lot of beta testing, and it takes time. Mm-hmm. So, but I think within ten years, you know, we really do have a goal of having language arts courses sixth through twelfth, history courses sixth through twelfth. We want to work on science. You know, we're going to need to develop the proper way to do that. You know, there's definitely hashkafic conversations to have there. You know, science throughout the grades. We want to have discussions about how to create practical mathematics courses. What I mean by that is, yeah, you can have your interesting, you know, you know, little topics you throw in about math and the Mishkan and different Torah topics, but we're not interested in replacing an entire math curriculum. Those are key skills. But there are ways that you can connect math with, with computers, there are ways that you can uh, connect math with practical applications of math. I had a great conversation with a Dr. Fishkind, who um, is the head of math at Johns Hopkins. He's a firm individual, and he was speaking to me about practical mathematics, um, that a lot of what we do in math nowadays is, you know, you teach something, and then you have review sheets over and over and over again reviewing the same concept, but he said, make it applicable. He was talking to me about how he created some algorithm with Major League Baseball mm. where 
every year he has his class create the schedules for all the minor league teams where he created this I think he said it's an algorithm consisting of 29,000 equations wow. that he put into a computer and it's practical mathematics so I don't necessarily know if they're going to do that in high school but the idea is there are ways to make, make it meaningful make math meaningful to show you know balancing a budget to show how you can use these skills uh, similar to what we're doing in 10th grade you know, when we're showing how writing can be used for helping the claw cool. and things like that. Wonderful. All right, is there anything else that you think we should mention about the McClone that we didn't get to, either about the program, what you offer, any other aspect of it that you want to mention? So ultimately, our goal is if a school is a school that feels that there is value in general studies, if that is the avenue they're going down, then we owe it to our students and their parents to make sure that they're using their time wisely, that they can graduate from high school with a certain shlemus, with understanding that the skills they are learning in the afternoon have value for them outside of getting their diploma in 12th grade. That these are things that can really help them, not only in the professional world, the business world, but to be able to communicate as a Bentora, to be able to write down their ideas as a Bentora, and to utilize the entire day to, to build upon their shlemus. All right, Rabbi Weissman, this is wonderful. How do people get in touch with you or the Machon? How do they find you? Sure. So we have a website, uh, themachon, M-A-C-H-O-N, themachon.org. You can also email me at mweissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N-N, two S's, two N's, at themachon.org. And I'm more than happy to speak with you, to meet with you, and show you some samples of what we're doing. Wonderful. Thank you. This is really amazing. And, um, you know, it's funny how we talked about the building we're in. used to be a monastery, right? Correct. And now Hashem sort of leads... Yisrael, through uh, time, having the right the right bricks were laid at the right spot so Kessler Torah could have a beautiful campus. And I sort of feel like meeting you, who started out in the Salman Shechter, went to Columbia, NYU, etc. Hashem put the bricks of your background uh, in the right places to be in this unique position, to be able to bring what we need to develop a curriculum like this. So it's really a beautiful, you're a beautiful Kiddush Hashem, and a great expression of Ashkacha. Hashem, thank you very Hashem much. Hashem should continue to give you the kayak and wisdom to do this. Amen, amen. Thank, thank you. you so much. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of Chinook Today. In today's episode, we certainly explored an innovation and a very talented person behind that innovation in Rabbi Weissman. For those of us who have experienced the challenges that he's trying to address, we understand the great promise that is found in the Mechon and in the work that he is doing. And the Merz Hashem, this idea and other ideas will continue to grow as we work to improve and make sure that every moment of our day, of our school day, is useful, is, is growth-oriented, and is meaningful. Thank you again for joining us. As I always remind you, sharing is caring. So please share the good word about our podcast. You can send any questions, comments, or guest ideas to Podcast at gmail.com. This is your Achmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.